0: Well, I was watching the Astros last night. It was so exciting. Laura had who, her shirt on that says, who's your daddy, you know, for Jordan, And uh, she's been rooting for him the whole time because she loves like Cuba and Latin America. And when he hit it out, that's, he's going, yeah, yeah. Who's your daddy. Right. You know, we had such a, a blast together. You know, I think when we get as excited about the kingdom of God as we've been about the Astros, it's going to be incredible. Right. I am so excited to share with you in these last few moments. I want to tell you the secret to an extraordinary life. The secret. And the secret might not be what you think it is, because the secret is trust, trusting God's heart. Jesus was so interested in us trusting His heart, He spoke about it all the time. Let me just read you a a few of His words. In John 14, He says, Do not let your hearts be troubled, trust in God. Trust also in me. In John sixteen thirty three, he said, I've told you all this so that trusting me, you will be unshakable and assured deeply at peace. In this godless world, you will continue to experience difficulties, tribulation, but take heart. I've conquered the world. And then in John sixteen twenty six, he says this, on that day, you will ask in my name, and I'm not saying to you that I will request to the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from the Father. Brendan Manning says this, he says, trust is our only gift we have to give back to God. And he finds trust so enchanting that Jesus died for the love of it. I want us to look at just a quick passage that really helps us to kind of understand what this is about, what it looks like, and what it can look like in our lives. It's a really familiar story. It's the story of Jesus walking on the water and then Peter coming out to join him. They had just fed 20,000 people, 5,000 men, and then the women and children at them all together. And so this is what happens immediately after that in Matthew 14 in verse 22. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. And he sent the people home. Now the lake is the Sea of Galilee. It's 12 and a half miles long. It's seven and a half miles wide at its widest point. It's not really a sea. It's, it is more like a a good sized lake and it's down in a little bowl. So Storms can whip up really quickly. Now, they usually don't last very long, but they come in and they can be really extreme in the moment. And we're getting ready to see the disciples in the midst of a storm. Verse 24. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. So the disciples could usually go across the Sea of Galilee in an hour or two, but this storm comes up and it's normal. It's a, they've seen it many times. Some of them are fishermen. And so the storm comes up, but this time it's different because it's an extreme storm, but also it just keeps lasting. It's in several of the gospels, this story. And what we see as we put piece them all together is that this storm lasted and lasted. So it's about 8 o'clock when they start going across. The storm comes up after they get just about in the middle of the lake. And then they can't move at all. They're rowing like crazy, but the wind's blowing against them, the waves. And so 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock. They've done that before. But then the storm keeps going. 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, getting tired. 1 o'clock two o'clock, three o'clock, three o'clock in the morning. They've probably come to the place where even the most experienced of them think, I don't know if we're gonna make it. I don't know if we're gonna survive this. This is this is something that is not normal. This is not what we've seen before. Verse 25, about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. I've often wondered why, why Jesus wait so long. Have you ever wondered that in your life? You know, God's timing is not like our timing. I I pray. And I think God's going to, Oh God, God, you're going to do it right now. And it just doesn't happen. And the storm keeps blowing and and, and things keep going. Jesus never promised us an easy life. He said, in this godless world, you're going to have difficulty. And that word difficulty means extreme difficulty, extreme trouble, tribulation. Some of you might be experiencing that right now. And we have this tendency to lose sight of God's face and it feels like he's a million miles away. In fact, so far in my life, every agnostic that I've ever known, I figured out at the root of it after long conversations is really mad at God, you know? I don't know if he exists. I don't know if he's really there. I don't know what that's all, but, but I'm so mad at him, you know? It's kind of what the bottom line is, even if we don't admit it to ourselves because maybe he disappointed us at some point. He didn't come through when we thought he was going to come through, he didn't do what we thought that he was going to do. In Mark's gospel of the same uh, the account of the same story, he adds, "Jesus saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard, struggling against the wind and waves." So Jesus has gone up in the mountains to pray. He sends the disciples on, and, and here's the crazy thing: Why are they in the storm? The first verse says Jesus insisted. That the disciples go. You know, a lot of times we think I'm in this storm, but I, I I just I feel like I must be out of God's will or something. When sometimes when you're in the very center of His will, is when the strongest storms come and the most difficult times come, and you think what is what is He doing? You know, where is He? I can't see Him, God. It feels like You're a million miles away, and it just keeps going. And you're praying, and you're doing, and, and you know what happens a lot of times, I think, what God does? He lets us kind of come to the end of our resources, to the end of ourselves. Because some of these disciples, I mean, they were expert fishermen. They, they had done this before. Oh, yeah, Storm, we got this. We can handle this. But probably somewhere around 2.30 in the morning, they were going like, we don't got this, you know? And we come to the end of ourselves. A lot of times, humanly, We start thinking about suicide or something. And in a crowd this big, there's probably some that are in that boat right now. But that's not what God's saying. Come to the end of your resources. When you're flat on your back and all you can do is look up. God says, now you're in the place for a miracle to happen. Now you're in the place to step into me and watch me in action. And so I think that's why he waits sometimes for us. Because he wants us to come to the end of our own resources. We, We think we got this. We think we can do it. You know, but Jesus was watching them the whole time. They had lost sight of him. They're probably out there going like, he sent us out here to die or something. You know, he didn't even come. He probably knew this was coming, right? And, and, and he stayed on, and now we're out here in the midst of this, but it says from the hillside, he could look down into the middle of the lake and he saw them the whole time. They couldn't see his face, but he saw them. You know, I think it's important to remember that in the middle of the storm, even though we can't see God anymore in it, he never loses sight of us. He saw you this week as you cried in the night. He understands he's he's watching you. He's there. He cares about you. Jesus said, you can trust that the father himself loves you. That's what I came to earth to tell you, that God loves you, that he cares. Well, sure doesn't seem like he cares right now doesn't seem like he he cares at all. Verse 26, Jesus comes walking on the water. It says this, when the disciples saw Jesus walking on the water, I love how the Bible is just so matter of fact sometimes. So the disciples saw Jesus walking on the water. You're going like, what? When you really think about it, I mean, that, what is that? You know, when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified in their fear. They cried out, it's a ghost. So I mean, put yourself in the place. We've heard it so much that we go, oh yeah, he's walking on the water, kind of like the Bible puts it. But lightning flashes and one of them goes, guys, I don't want to freak you out, but I thought I saw something out there in the water. And they're going, yeah, yeah, you're just really tired. You know, you're just, you're just hallucinating. And then the lightning flashes again and they all see it. And they in the, the Greek, the word is, they thought they saw a phantasma. A phantasma, it's like some kind of, apparition it's well you don't expect it to be a man or someone you know oh that's just jesus he's walking on the water again you know it, it's like what is this what's going on and it says they were terrified and the word is like i mean just it, it, terrified is like perfect way to put it i think I, I, there's something out there jesus comes up he gets closer and he says this he says take courage I am is here. Take courage. Literally, I am is here. You know, they saw God out there and they couldn't quite figure it all out because it wasn't what they were expecting. And I think that God is so many times he's other than us. The Bible says that, says that his ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts than our thoughts. And you know, he loves us, but he sees so much more and so differently than us. One of the things that sometimes irritates me about God is that he's so much more interested in our character than our comfort. If you notice that, he's like, I'm making you into something. I know it really is uncomfortable. I know. Keep going, you know. And so we we don't understand him, but then he speaks. He says, I am is here. He's going all the way back to that great name of God that God gave to Moses at the burning bush. But Who who am I going to say sent me to to the children of Israel in the burning bush? God speaks out of it and says, I am that I am. He's always in the present. He's in that moment. He's always here. He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. They felt like he was a million miles away, and he's saying, no, I am here. And I want to tell you that this morning, even if it feels like he's a million miles away, he's not. He's right here with you. He sees you. I uh, remember as a kid, I had a lot of fears as a kid. You know, one of them was that a a burglar was going to break into the house and choke me with a rope. I don't know how I got that one. My, My fears were specific. You know, I didn't do little kind of like general fears. That was for everybody else, you know, So when I got up at night to use the bathroom or something, I would put my hand right here. You know why? (laughs) Rope can't get you, right? I still do that sometimes, but um, you know, it was such a brilliant move, I thought. And, but I can remember in the storm, sometimes I would think, you know, the vampires are coming in the window or something. And, And I would run and jump in mom and dad's bed, which they loved, I'm sure. And, but dad would always grab me and say, it's okay. I'm here, and I thought, oh, I'm safe. You know, the vampires would have to go through him like that would be a problem, but you know, I have to go through him to get to me. I felt so safe. That's what Jesus is doing here. I am. When we run to him, when we say, but you're here, you're here, that makes all the difference. Verse 28, then Peter called to him and said, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water, which seems like strange to me a little bit, you know, like Jesus is right out there. He says, Lord, if it's really you, well, if it's not him. And he says to come, what are you going to do? You know, but, but I I realize God's trying to teach us something even in this. Peter is so impetuous. I mean, he's always, you know, sometimes he, he just, he nails it and he says just the right thing. And God says, Jesus says, God's revealed this to you, Peter. And other times he said, get behind me, devil, you know, of things that he said, because When I was first believer, uh, first a believer, I I would just kind of depend on impressions, you know, these impressions that I would feel. That must be God. And I was all over the place. I remember, you know, Laura's dad, when when we were first married, someone said, what is Mark going to do? And he would go, only God knows. And then he'd say like, and I'm not sure God knows, you know, because I was just everywhere. Peter was like that, but I learned that if God really wants me to do something, it's not going to be just a momentary impression. He'll keep it in my heart. It'll keep building. He'll, he'll show me in his word. He'll confirm it. He'll bring other people in and say, yeah, that's what God wants to do. So I got a lot more consistent. That's what Peter's doing. God, Jesus, he would have just jumped over the boat and ran to Jesus, you know, in the past. But if it's you tell me to come, I want to make sure I'm, I'm doing what you ask me to do. And I think Jesus smiled in the darkness. And the next verse says, he says, yes, come, come. Now put yourself in Peter's place for a second. You know, we've heard it so much. We don't think a lot about it, but there's gale force winds. There's waves big enough to like tump the boat, basically. And he's going to step out in the water. I always, you know, how do you walk on the water like that? You know, you always think of Jesus and it's always calm. You know, he's walking on the water. No, it was this giant storm, giant waves. Is Jesus like surfing the water? You know, what is it? You know, how does it work? I don't know. Imagine it must have been like a calm place all around him, you know? So what does Peter do? He gets out of the boat. Is he scared? I would imagine. But Peter has learned a truth of life that we as Americans need to learn. And that is, you can't walk on water If you don't get out of the boat, the boat is our comfort zone. And a lot of us, you know, we're real good at kind of staying in the comfort zone and sitting on the couch and saying, God bless me and bless the things I'm doing. And God's going, I've got these great endeavors. I want you to be a part of, I've got adventures that I want you to be a part of. It's going to risk everything. Have you ever risked everything for the kingdom of God? It's, it's this amazing feel. I remember when we went to Mexico city and you know, people were going, are you taking your kids? You know, we we're going as missionaries and we're going like, no, we're going to leave them behind. No, yeah, we're taking them. And, and, uh, we didn't know what was going to happen. Just breathing the air was like smoking 13 cigarettes. You know, the, the board that was sending me said, you know, what do you do when you get stressed? I said, well, in Mexico city, I'm just going to get a straw and walk outside. It's better than you. It's like having, you know, calm your stress with a little 13 cigarettes, I guess. But it's, it's like they didn't laugh at that, like y'all didn't laugh at that. But, uh, you know, here, here's the thing I, I didn't know what it was going to cost us, but it was amazing what God began to do in Laura's life, in my life, in those moments as we were walking the edge of risk. You got to get out of the boat. We don't like to do that in America. In fact, you can tell by just the way we name things. You know what the most popular chair is in America? It's not Risky Boy. Worker boy, what is it? Lazy boy, right? So we've kind of got this down, you know, sit back and we can watch our Astros and they're out there working like crazy and we're on our fifth Twinkie and, and you know, like, way to go, Jordan, you know, as we're stuffing our face. Get out of the boat. These 11 that didn't get out of the boat, they were boat potatoes, I call them, you know. They, they didn't get out of the boat. Peter, verse 29, went over the side of the boat. Have you gone over the side yet? Some of your spouses are going like, they went over the side a long time ago, you know? But no, I mean, have you really gotten out of the boat for the kingdom of God? And he walked on the water toward Jesus. Well, how did Peter know that it was gonna be okay? Trust. But you see, trust is a byproduct of knowing. He knew Jesus. He knew his heart. He knew that Jesus wanted good things. He had already looked at him and said, Peter, you're all over the place, but I'm gonna name you something different. I'm gonna call you rock. His name was Simon, and he changed it to Peter, the rock. You're gonna be a rock for my kingdom. I see it in you. I'm gonna build it into you. Peter had begun to trust his heart, so he knew if he said, come, it was gonna be okay, even though it was risky. Peter maybe. Knew something that we haven't discovered yet. It's better to be with Jesus out of the boat in the middle of the storm than it is to be in the boat and comfortable without Jesus. And I, I, I think that God is always trying to show us that. Faith can never be called true faith unless it's accompanied by action and obedience. Verse 30. But when Peter saw the strong wind and waves, he was terrified. There's that word terrified again. like, really, really, really scared and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Now, it's interesting because the storm's been raging for hours and Peter knew it was raging when he got out of the boat. But when he got out of the boat, he's looking right at Jesus and he's focused on Jesus and he hears his words and he's believing what he said. But then it says he started looking around. Have you ever done that? You know, like I'm walking with God. I'm doing pretty good. But oh my gosh, that is a tidal wave. You know, I remember taking my little uh, Maltese dog to the beach where we lived in Cancun. And she had never seen waves, you know, so she kind of was in the water and thought it was kind of cool. And so she's watching and she just watches this wave come up till she never got back in the water again because the wave went right over. She did not like it at all. But I thought it was funny to watch her face. Just watch the wave go all the way over (laughs) Some of you feel like that. He starts looking around and he's going like, wait, I know me. I'm just a regular guy, a fisherman. I should not be here in this deep, dark water in the midst of this howling storm. And he takes his eyes off of Jesus and he starts to sink. I think one of the definitions of faith is simply concentration on Jesus, focusing in on him. That's why we love to sing these praise songs because it kind of pulls your eyes up some of you go, I feel so much better when I come to church and we sing those songs. I don't know why. You, why is because you're starting to see God. You're looking above your circumstances, you're focused in on the right thing. Because we look at our circumstances and we forget God and we start to sink. That's exactly what happened with Peter. Now, before you get too down on Peter for sinking, remember there's still 11 other guys in the boat, they didn't even get out of the boat. And and so Peter's sinking, but these boat potatoes, you know, they're just still sitting there and it's easy to criticize. Look at that boy sink, you know, sinking like a rock. Maybe he couldn't do that. It's easy to criticize, right? But see, it's so interesting to me because it's not the story that we remember forever. Bartholomew walking on the water because he didn't get out of the boat. It's not Matthew walking on the water, even though he wrote this. He didn't get out of the boat, not James or John, it's Peter walking on the water. Even though he sank, I think that as he's sinking, he prays the shortest prayer in the Bible. Save me. That's a good prayer, right? And and it's a good thing it was short because if it had been like eloquent, like some of us try to pray, he'd gone like, oh, thou great blah. you know? You don't have time when you're going under, (laughs) To have an eloquent prayer. God's not expecting an eloquent prayer. Some of you throw a few expletives in, you know, just, I'm sure God just goes, I'm just going to pretend you're saying my name, asking me something, you know, but I'm hearing you. I still hear you. Okay. It's like, I know, I know what's, what's going on when you're going under, you don't have time for long prayers, but what we're going to see is a hand comes through, reaches out and grabs him. And pulls him up out of the water. And I think the message is going to be clear. As long as Jesus is one of many options. He's really not an option. As, as long as you can carry your burden alone. You're probably going to try to carry your burden alone. So God allows these circumstances that are so overwhelming. That we have to look to him. And when we're flat on our back, he says, don't be contemplating suicide. What I want you to contemplate is just throwing yourself completely onto me. What have you got to lose now? What have you got to lose at this point? Throw yourself onto me. Save me, Lord. Save me. And the hand reaches out. You know, I can't tell you how many people that used to come to Community of Faith That I I, I reach out to when I see them in the grocery store or someplace. And I know they've fallen on their face. I know their story. And I just said, we miss you so bad. Come back. Oh, I don't know if I could show my face. No, come on back. If you're listening at home right now and that's you, come back. There's a hand reached out. Not fingers pointing, because we're all in the same boat. Jesus reached out his hand. You know, some people sit around and go like, well, I'm just... You know, that would have been Peter. They'd have gone like, well, this is too embarrassing. I'm just going to go under now and drown. You know, the truth is some of us would rather drown than even tell anybody else that we need help. I know that because some of you are drowning right now. And you came in this morning. How are you doing? Hey, how about them strows? But you're going under for the last time. Really, it's your hand is up. Going down for the last time. Don't just go down. Let us walk with you. Let us be with you. Call out to God. At the end of the service, there'll be some people to pray for you right up here at the front. Come up. Pray with them. Call our counseling center. We can do this together. And God is reaching out his hand. He's using the church to do that. Verse 31, here he goes. Jesus immediately, immediately, I like that. He didn't go, (laughs) that's pretty funny, Peter. You're going under. He just, he compassionately immediately reached out and grabbed him. And it says here in our English, it says, you have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? That sounds really rough, doesn't it? As we try to translate from the Greek, but it's not always easy. That's, that's true. He said that, but it wasn't like that. You see, in fact, you have so little faith, five words in English. It's only one word in Greek, little faith, little faith. I think it's a whole different look. I think, you know, Jesus loved to give nicknames, you know, like he called Peter, he called Simon Peter, the rock. He, he looked at James and John and they said, we need to call down fire on these people that don't accept you and don't believe in you. And he called them the sons of thunder, the thunder boys, you know, I think he's looking at Peter in that moment and go, oh, little faith, little, it's a nickname, little faith. Is that what he calls us? Oh, little faith. But I think he has eyes of love when he does it. He's not, No, why you have so little faith? Puny, 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 you know? He's going, no, oh, little faith. Why did you doubt me? And I don't think he's saying, why did you get out of the boat? What audacity. Because he already said, yes, come. He's smiling, yes, come. I think he's saying to Peter, Peter. You did so good. You got out of the boat. And yeah, you got your eyes off me for a minute and you fell. You're sinking. But why did you doubt that I wouldn't reach out and grab you? Why did you doubt that I wouldn't still love you? Why why did you doubt that I wouldn't save you? Peter was terrified. I failed God. Uh, But God's right there. And he goes, I know. I got you. Come on. Let's do it. Let's do this. I've got you. Why are you doubting that I still care? Why are you doubting? You thought it was performance-based acceptance? Oh, you grew up with that. I got that. But that's not what I'm like. You could never perform for me. I just love you. I love you because I love you. Because that's who I am. I love you. And I'll never stop loving you. And I don't love you less right now as you've fallen on your face than I did when you were standing before a bunch of people talking about me. I just love you all the time. Why did you doubt that I wouldn't reach out and grab you? Little faith. Here's the thing. The water that threatens to be over our head is under Jesus' feet. Those circumstances that so overwhelm us when we encounter the the storms of life, the situation, no matter how painful, it's under God's control. Now, I'm telling you, God is other. I mean, there are things that I've done. Even when we went to Mexico City, there were some things that we faced that I was like, God, we're here for you. I can't honor. What's going on here? That we faced with our own board and other things that I expected it to come from outside Crime and all that. It's like, no, I got most discouraged with my own people. God, I don't understand. But He works in the midst of all of it because He's doing something in us. He doesn't need us, He just loves us. And He says, I don't call you servants, I call you friends, sons, daughters. And I just want to walk with you. Don't forget that. Don't think it's about serving me and you didn't work out and I don't know what's God doing. It's about me and you and our relationship. 32, when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Now this is Jesus sets foot in the boat and just flat as glass, no wind. Then the disciples worshiped him. You really are the son of God, they said. See, it's like, oh, yeah, okay, circumstances are good. You really are God. But you know what? He was God all that time. He was God when they were rowing. He was God when they were sinking. He was God when they didn't understand what was going on. Oh, it's all good now, yeah. I I hate it when, you know, preachers act like, well, if you just come to Jesus, everything will get into order. It'll be so great. And you're going like, well, I came to Jesus and everything went haywire. Well, that's what Jesus said was going to happen, right? So I would listen to him and not them. But here's the thing. Things are going great. We look at people and we say, you know what? They, they must have God's favor on them. Their life is so easy. I would say they must not have a b- very big job in heaven if this is boot camp and he's getting us ready to rule and reign with him. Your life has been so difficult. And you thought, God doesn't even like me. No, he has a big job for you. You must be one of the Rangers or the Green Berets or something. He's going to have you like, okay, I want you to take this universe and just create all these things for me. See, he always has a plan. It's not about the here and now. He knows what he's doing. Are you discouraged with him right now? Does it feel like he's a million miles away? Are you discouraged with yourself? I don't even, I'm just ashamed. I don't deserve him. He doesn't look at that that way. When the storm hides his face, reach out your hand. His hand is there. Just say, save me and hold your hand out and watch him grab hold of it. Did I say the storm would stop? No. Even when he pulled Peter up, the storm hadn't stopped. It didn't stop till they got in the boat. At some point, the storm will stop. And like I said, my dad says, you know, when you're walking through hell, keep walking. Don't stop. Keep walking, even if it's a little baby step of faith. I don't know why you're doing this, but I want to take this next little step. I don't know what's going on. Boy, these waves are big. Take this next little step. Here's the amazing thing. You're going to fail a lot. You're human. The Bible says that God is mindful of our frame. He knows we're made out of dust. He made us out of dust. He knows we're going back to dust in this physical body, but he said, I've made your spirit for so much more. When you fail, reach out your hand, save me. I will gladly do it. I love you. You can trust my heart for you. I'm here for you. I am is here. So when you take risks, you're going to fail. But as you just keep concentrating on him, much to your surprise, probably more than anyone else's, as you focus in on him and you take those little baby steps and you say, I want to be full out for your kingdom. I'm out of the boat. I'm starting to walk. That means there's going to be some hard decisions coming up. We got our best gift to Jesus coming up. He might put on your heart to give a bigger amount than you expect. Well, don't just do it in a momentary impression. That's why we don't have like, oh, we're gonna pull at your heartstrings. Let me show you this terrible picture of this little star, you know. it's No, we don't wanna do that because we want it to be an ongoing, God has put this on my heart. He wants me to do it. I don't know how I'm gonna do it, but I'm gonna do it because he's asked me to do it. It'll stay there. And when it does, that's why Jesus said, don't give under compulsion. Someone got their thumb on you better give or my ministry's going under. Well, let them go under, okay? Because that's not how you do it. You say, God, what do you want me to do? And he's going to do that in so many areas of our lives. You do it. You keep concentrating on him. Much to your surprise, you might just find yourself walking on the water with Jesus. Most amazing thing. I want you just to close your eyes with me for a minute. I am is here. It feels like you're a million miles away. I'm not. I'm right here. God, I'm going down for the last time. I know. Reach out your hand. You're in a perfect place for a miracle. The miracle might not be the change of circumstances. It might be a deep change inside of you as you learn to trust me, as you learn that I'm here for you so that you can rule and reign with me forever. I'm building something into you. Character. I am is here. Maybe just physically right now, if you're in that place, you just reach out your hand. Maybe just a little reach. You don't have to show it to everybody if you don't want to, but reach out one of your hands in front of you and see if he doesn't take it. Just reach out. That's good. Do it. I see you. Do it. He's got you. Save me. Jesus, you're so faithful. Help us to trust your heart. Father, you yourself love us. That's what Jesus came to tell us. It's the most amazing thing. So God, as we step out of the boat right now, as we reach out, and you grab our hands. We've gone down again. I say come kingdom of God. up on us be done. Will of God over us. And let nothing stop. What you have in mind for us. We ask in the powerful. Almighty name of Jesus. The name above every name. Amen.